Ladies and gentlemen, we are live. It is the evening here over here in the UK and it is the afternoon where my guest is from. I couldn't be more thankful for the guest joining me. Believe it or not, we have some had some big guests and big fish on this show. Um, but this is probably one of the biggest for us and one of the biggest for Colts fans. That is probably right to call him the co-owner of Bring the Juice, Cody. Cody, just say hello. Yeah. Well, thank you first off for having me. I really appreciate it. And then uh, you say big fish, it's kind of funny. I'm just like, I have to look over my shoulder like, who are you talking about? But no, uh, thank you for having me so much. It's just definitely an honor. Right. Um, I mean, it is a pleasure. Um, obviously a massive influence to me and I'm, I suppose many other Colts fans, maybe not Colts fans, maybe just fans of the NFL in general to go out and do their thing, you know, as a family, we've watched Bring the Juice, and I saw everyone will say this, just grow rapidly over time, um, especially on Twitter. You know, you and Derek have done an amazing job. Um, I know the Colts fans know who you are, um, but just maybe for someone who's new to American football, especially over this side of the pond, just want to talk a bit about your stuff. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, like you said, uh, Bring the Juice podcast is a podcast uh, founded in 2019, I think. Yeah, right at the beginning of 2019. So, I think the first episode was the Colts' victory over the Houston Texans in the wild card round, if you remember that game a few years ago. And uh, yeah, it's just been incredible ever since then. Um, you know, really started off not really knowing what I was doing at all. Um, but it's uh, it's definitely been awesome, and and those people who watched or we'll go back and look at some of the old videos. I mean, you'll see clearly I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but hey, we're here now, and uh, yeah, I've just been super amazed at the the response from people. Uh, just been super thankful for the people who who support and you know say nice things like you just said. Like that just means a lot, you know. Um, and hopefully, it can just serve as like. Uh, you know, for anybody who wants to start a podcast or anything like that, like I literally just started from scratch a couple of years ago, you know, and, and everybody can do that. You know, you just continue to to grind and continue to, to put out good content, continue to be active on social media. And, and it just naturally grows, I think. And so, um, but yeah, bring the juice. Um, it's been it's been really cool. Derek and I, my co-host, uh, been doing it for a couple of years now. He came on. The summer of 2019 and and then the rest is history man and it's been been really good and it, it's been great to connect with other colts podcasters influencers within the like you know bloggers i guess maybe is the term uh it's been great to connect with you guys and just just hear some you know the people who are just kind and and are, are you know really saying these nice things it's just like well i, I really appreciate it uh but you know what? I, I have a massive respect for those people who who continue to grind day after day and continue to produce content. So, um, yeah, shout out to you and all the other content creators out there. Like, I know how much of a grind it is. So, uh, I mean, you guys are awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So, you said it was after the wild card win. I take it you're talking about the clown mask game where T.Y. Hilton just went off. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Was there something about that game that made you think, man, I need to talk about this? Or was it just, <laughs> was it always pre-planned? 
No, I mean, I had been thinking about it up to that point. I kind of had dabbled a little bit in podcasts and didn't really know what I was doing um, up to that point. Kind of had stopped for a while. It was very bad, like bad quality. I don't I don't uh, encourage anybody to look for it. I mean, it wasn't anything special at all. But I did it for a little bit. and was like, I kind of like this. I, I dabbled into writing a little bit, wrote for a couple different websites, and just nothing really seemed to stick. Like I never really felt like motivated day after day to continue to do it. Never was like fully passionate about it. And then I just kind of decided, you know what? Like there's other podcasts out there that are doing really great. Um, I, I referenced Kevin Bowen, who I know is a, a big influence on a lot of podcasters as well. Like he was my inspiration for that. I mean, honestly, like I, I interacted with his stuff pretty much that entire season, the, the 2018 season, right? I interacted with this podcast, sent in questions, all that stuff. And then I was like, you know what? Like, I feel like I can, you know, I feel like I can produce this. Like I can produce my thoughts on this. And it really was just me wanting to just give my thoughts on the team. <laughs> That's all it was. And, you know, I, I'm more of a verbal processor um, than more of a write it down type of person. So I think it just kind of naturally happened there and, and kind of cycled through a couple different people that would come on with me every so often. Um, and then eventually ended on Derek that summer. So yeah, it's been really, really good. But uh, yeah, I think it just ultimately came from just a love of my of the Colts. I mean, I've I've been a Colts fan for a long time, so just a love of the team and wanting to just just talk. I mean, for my job, that's a good majority of what I do is I talk a lot in front of people. <laughs> uh, so I was just like, this is kind of a natural fit here for me to do the same thing here with podcasting, um, and hopefully offer some insight for for some Colts fans and and all that stuff and, and connect with other fans, which I think has been really cool as well. Yeah. Um, okay. So we'll talk about the main reason why we're both here and that's why we became Colts fans. Um, mm. I'll tell my reason every time. So just a quick run through is um, I think it was just after the, after we won the Super Bowl in my, uh, in 2006. Yeah. And, the game Madanoi 7, the demo, was on the Xbox <laughs> store. So I downloaded it. And the only teams on there were the Packers and the Colts. I chose the Colts for whatever reason. And Joseph Adai was just some absolute beast on that game for some reason. And mm -hmm. it was a love story ever since. That's why I became a Colts fan. Cody, why did... I mean, was it... Did you have no choice? Did uh, family force you into it? Or did you find the Colts by yourself? You know, it, it, around that same time when you became a Colts fan is kind of when I became one as well. Um, so I would have been at that point, I think, fifth grade. Um, so, I mean, that tells you now it's been how long, you know, since I was a – so I'm, I'm getting a little bit – not old, but I'm getting there. Um, but, yeah, so I became a Colts fan. I remember the first game I can actually remember was the 06 championship game against the Patriots. Didn't really know what was going on. But I remember watching the game and watching the interception, them going to the Super Bowl a couple weeks later. was at my grandparents, and I just was watching the game. And then, obviously, the Colts won. And then from there, it just kind of took off. And I just started watching them. I would say infrequently, but I started paying attention to them a little bit more in the coming years. And really, 2009, when the Colts were really, really good, they went back to the Super Bowl. That was when I could confidently say I watched them every single game. I watched every single game of that season was heartbroken in that Super Bowl, obviously. 
And then it just, from there, I just really started to pay attention. It's kind of funny. I have a, a friend in, and you know, we went to middle school, high school together. He's a Patriots fan. So you can imagine we had, we had these back and forth all the time. Who's better Manning or Brady, Manning or Brady. And it was so much fun every single year, man, to, to be with him and then just argue about it constantly. So that, I think that really cemented also me being a Colts fan is just the fact that like, I did not want to give an inch on Manny versus Brady. I was Manning all the way. So um, yeah, that, that's kind of how I got started. And then it just kind of developed into, as I, I guess, after I graduated, I was kind of started getting in Twitter in high school a little bit. Mm-hmm. Didn't really like do it under my name. Just kind of did a few different like things to follow the team and, and tweet about the team. It really was nothing. And then, yeah, I didn't start till I would say I was, probably in early college that would have been 2013 2014 mm-hmm. i started actually tweeting about them on the account that i have now and uh just continued to grow it man and uh it's been pretty awesome <laughs> it's been pretty cool <laughs> um so in that run obviously you know peyton manning is everyone's favorite player um but besides peyton manning was there a player that made you stand up and go I wish I could do what with a football or was the guy you looked at, I think that's what I want to be like. Mm. Yeah. I would say there was definitely a couple guys there. And, you know, the fortunate part was the Colts had so many guys. There were so many guys you could point to, right? Like I think for me, I played, um, I played defense in high school, played more defensive lines. So I really looked to Freeney and Mathis a lot. Uh, they were definitely inspirations for me. Um, and uh, so those are probably some of them. I would say maybe post them, probably T.Y. Hilton's been a guy that I've consistently been like, wow. I mean, he just continues to amaze me. And it's just been cool to watch him from being drafted to where he is now. Um, so I would say modern Colts, probably T.Y. Hilton. But uh, besides Peyton Manning, probably Freddie and Mathis. Yeah. Um, that actually – segues us nicely into our next little bit and that's talking about the big draft mate well the big draft pick um quitty pay yeah you say you know you looked up to guys like um mathis and freeney do, do you see a lot of them in quitty hmm i mean honestly i think quitty's a bigger version of them um i think he's definitely a, a better overall player um uh, in terms of you know uh against the run as well. Um, obviously, I mean, you can't argue with franchise leader sack and, and also second in franchise history as well, yeah. but you know, I think he definitely has some really good qualities that you like. I mean, he seems like he has the kind of motor that the Colts are looking for. Right. And uh, you know, it's interesting. People say he's a little bit undersized, you know, being what, like six, two, but uh, I mean, both those guys are undersized too. So maybe there's a little bit of a chip on his shoulder as well. Maybe here's some of that, but overall, yeah, I, I like the pick. I really thought it was a good pick. Um, I think it was much needed. You know, there was so much debate, man, like this offseason. I'm sure you saw it, left tackle or edge rusher. And uh, I kind of was on the the side of, look, you can figure out offensive tackle later on. Edge rusher is the biggest need. And fortunately, I was like, if the Colts don't address edge rusher in some way, I'm going to have some issues with what they did. (laughs) Obviously, they knew what they were going to do all along. doesn't matter what I think. Um, But they decided to double down on edge rusher. And I I really thought that was good. A little bit shocked at first that they did it. But when they actually did it and after, obviously – signing Eric Fisher as well. Now I feel a little bit better about where the Colts are at right now. 
with both those positions. Yeah. I mean, that's just the magic work of Chris Ballard. He can, you know, he sticks by his philosophy of that. He is going to pick who he wants to pick. Never mind players' names or egos or where they come from, who they played for, what they've done in college. Chris Ballard has just stuck to the same philosophy for his tenure at the Colts that he picks who he wants to pick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he picks uh, the best players available too, which I think some people still don't fully understand that. Um, And you have to continue to remind people, no, this is something that Ballard does. I mean, it was something that I actually tweeted before the draft. I said, look, we don't know anything. We may think we know this. We may have all these mock drafts. But Chris Ballard is going to do something that shocks us. I just know he does about every year. Last year was Jonathan Taylor. This year, Dio Dengbo in round two. And even Sam Ellinger later on, right in round, I think it was six. So, I mean, Ballard knows what he's doing. He has a plan in place. And so um, it's just like, even if we don't think it's necessarily a position we need to address, Ballard is not going to hesitate. If he falls in love with a guy, he's going to take him. And, and we're going to we'll deal with the other positions if they need addressed later on, however that is. Yeah. I mean, I was, I mean, it was like 3 a.m. here in the morning because I was watching uh, the first round of draft night. Um, obviously, a bit early for you guys. But I generally couldn't believe my eyes. You know, I thought I'd fallen asleep or something and I was dreaming because just somehow Quitty Pay managed to fall to us at 21, which for me was an absolute steal. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. I mean, uh, yeah, a lot of people were like shocked that Quiddy Pay got there. I think the Colts were even shocked that Quiddy Pay got there too, and they're at twenty-one. But that is a great, great value pick. I mean, you can argue all day between him and Jalen Phillips, but no doubt Quiddy Pay is one of the best pass rushers in this draft. And the fact that we know that's a premium position, right? I think left quarterback, left tackle, and defensive end slash edge rusher, whatever you want to call it, those are premium positions. And for a premium position like that. To fall all the way to you at 21, I mean, that sometimes Chris Ballard said it best. Sometimes you just get fortunate with these picks. And and that's, I think, what happened there with the Quiddy Pay pick at 21. Yeah. Um, I was watching, I watched uh, Matt Eberflus in his interview he did. I'm sure you, uh, you was there or one of your guys was there. Um, and he said he had a conversation with Quiddy Pay that he did play halfback in high school. Does this mean we're going to see some more crazy trick plays from Frank Reich on that goal line package? <laughs> oh, I just, I hope, I mean, whatever. Frank Reich, I can't say no, but you know what? <laughs> like, please don't hurt Quiddy Pay on a, on a running back play. Like, please, that's all I ask. <laughs> but, I mean, Quentin yeah. Nelson at fullback, Quiddy Pay at halfback. Hey. That's all quite over the line. <laughs> never say never, right? You never know. Yeah. I wouldn't want to tackle that man. I mean, he is built. <laughs> Yeah. Um, anyway, we'll move on to the next big, um, well, the one of the big free agent signings or off-season signings, however you want to put it, um, Eric Fisher, offensive tackle. Um, for me, the reasoning why Chris Ballard went quitty pay in the draft is because you can take any half-decent offensive tackle, put them next to Quentin Nelson, and you have top 10 offensive tackle instantly. Hmm. Yeah, and I mean, he was for a good chunk of that. Mm-hmm. Even last year, I mean, I know he didn't play a ton of games, but like he was probably a top 10 offensive tackle last year. And you got to think he's never played with a player 
like Quentin Nelson before. I mean, we saw it with Anthony Costanzo. We all said he's he was pretty good at left tackle before Quentin Nelson got there. I mean, he was a bright spot at left tackle. But I think when Nelson got there, he even elevated his game up another level. I mean, he even got better with age, I think a lot of people said. And you could kind of see it. Like, he just got better. And I think that could potentially be a thing. The Quentin Nelson effect happens with Eric Fisher. If he's already a top 10 left tackle, I mean, if he can get back to being fully healthy, I mean, this offensive line could be honestly historic. Like, it honestly could with how good every single player is and potentially can be. I mean, this offensive line, I mean, I think the sky's the limit with these guys, honestly. Yeah. Um, do, do you think we'll see Eric Fisher week one to three, or do you reckon he's going to be granddaddy day? Yeah, it's hard to tell with Achilles. I feel like the speculation and the you know prognosis has kind of been everywhere. Like some people say, oh, he may not miss a game. He might be back like in the preseason. Some people say, no, he's going to miss a month. So I think I'm going to go probably like week four or week five is when I could expect to see him. Um, and fortunately, the Colts have depth at offensive tackle, which I think is big. That's something they definitely didn't have last year. I mean, we know in that Pittsburgh game, that was a disaster with Little Raven Clark and Chaz Green in there. But now they have some guys who have played some games for them. Um, and, you know, with with Sam Tevy and with, with Will Holden as well, it'll be interesting to see who wins that battle in training camp. But, uh, yeah, that's the great great thing about what the Colts have done at offensive line. They, they bring in a potential top 10 tackle, and then they have some quality depth, knowing that he might miss some time early on. Yeah. Um, brings on to the, obviously, major talking point uh, for the Colts in the offseason was getting Carson Wentz over to Indianapolis, where he belongs, his new home. Looks like he's having fun. But I think the shocking thing for Colts fans was, Nobody really expected Philip Rivers to retire. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I was shocked that he did retire. I thought he was going to at least play one more year. Um, but ultimately, maybe it, maybe it was a blessing in disguise. I mean, as good as Philip Rivers was last year, especially in the second half of the season, your offense was very limited, I think, in certain ways, just because of his own immobility and also that toe injury as well. I mean, if he was in, I mean, we said he was immobile before that injury. <laughs> Like with the injury, I mean, he's not moving. So uh, getting Carson Wentz just, I mean, for as much, I mean, really potentially trading a third round pick, I think it was this year, and then and then potentially a first or second round pick, depending on some stipulations. I mean, if he can get back to being a top 10 quarterback, I mean, that is a steal, no doubt, to get your franchise quarterback. So, yeah, I think that that Carson Wentz certainly just opens your offense up a ton with what you can do. Um, I know he definitely – there's a reason why he really got traded for not as much as he would have even a year ago. Uh, but, I mean, we, we see we see all the attributes. We see what happened when he was with Frank Reich. And I think that's exciting in itself and, and just with what it allows you to do on offense now. Be a little bit more unpredictable, I think, than you were, especially last year. Yeah. I mean, if there's going to be anywhere that could resurrect a broken quarterback's career, it has to be his Indianapolis team, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what is he not missing at this point? <laughs> what does he not have? You know, it's like he's got the offensive line. He's got the running game. He's got a veteran receiver and some young, guy, young guys that you like. He's got, you know, he's got – there's no, like, hole on this offense, I think, right mm -hmm. now. He's got such a great supporting cast, so you're right. I mean, honestly, I feel like if it fails, it's it's going to be on him. It's not going to be on his supporting cast. 
yeah, this is make for break, uh, make or break for Carson. And um, but you know, everything coming out of training camp is just seems to be good, which can get that way in the off season. You know, everyone's doing well, everyone's happy because everyone's part of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, competition isn't tight and all that. Um, but you know, you, you saw the basketball shootout. I'm guessing you saw between Carson and Molly Cox. Um, He's been at OTAs, which are usually just for the rookie guys. And, you know, he's been there day one trying to get some reps in. And he was on the Colts cam. He just, he seems like a happy quarterback again. And he seems like a happy guy again. Yeah. Do you reckon it was just a matter of getting out of Philly? I think that was a good part of it. I mean, that organization, I mean, we know like that organization's kind of been in shambles really ever since it seems like ever since that Super Bowl, things have just gone downhill, right? Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I mean, there was just a lot of situation that happened there with with drafting a quarterback right after you signed him to that mega deal with just what Doug Peterson did and did not do as the head coach. Um, sending mixed signals to Carson Wentz. And honestly, I think there there was a little bit of blame on Carson's end. Like we can't say he's it was completely faultless in this. So I think just for everybody's sake, it was good for him to just get a fresh start, especially with a coach that he knows very well and he's had success with. Um, and, you know, yeah, I think it just maybe was a bad situation, maybe brought out the worst in a couple of different people, maybe even, even including Carson Wentz. We don't know exactly, but, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I mean, when you're in a, when you're in a toxic environment like that, I know I've been in one before within, you know, a job and it brings out some things in you that aren't you, but like they can become you if you're around those type of people. And if you're not doing, if you're not in love with what you're doing anymore. So um, yeah, I think there's, there's all those different factors for why, you know, that happened, but I think he's in a good spot now with, with being with the Colts. Yeah. And I mean, the main thing is nobody's going to be a good quarterback when they get sacked 50 plus times in a season. It's yeah. just not going to happen. Um, and that's not going to happen to him in Indianapolis. And, you know, because of Carson Wentz improved mobility over what Philip Rivers was, this offensive line isn't going to have to work as hard. So it's win-win for both sides of the team there. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. And yeah, you're going to be a lot less predictable as well. Like we knew Philip Rivers wasn't going to sneak it like we did. Um, that's why they brought Jacoby in and that's why they let him walk. And now your offense doesn't have to have one quarterback run off the field, have another quarterback come in just for short yardage. Like, you know what, you can you can do a lot more, I think, with a quarterback like Carson Wentz, who I know a lot of fans kind of get a little like about it, but like a lot of the comparisons – physically are to Andrew Luck in a lot of ways. Like he does a lot of the same things from a physical standpoint. He can throw, he can run. Um, Obviously there's some questions on some other things, but from a physical standpoint, I mean, he's got everything you're looking for in a franchise quarterback and he's not even 30 yet. So uh, you got to feel good about that. Yeah. I mean, I will admit I wasn't his biggest fan before he came to Indianapolis. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously as soon as that plane touched down with him in Indy, yeah, you know, he's my quarterback. I'm back into the hills. But before that, I was thinking more along the Sam Darnold lines, maybe, you know, just someone who's a bit younger, um, yeah. a bit more raw. Was there anyone else who you looked at before Carson Wentz? Because the talk started around January time, really, didn't it? Mm. 
Yeah, there was a lot of guys. Honestly, I'm going to be real. I've come around to Carson Wentz. Initially, I was not a fan. That was probably one of my last choices um, just because of all the situation, what you're going to have to pay him, and, all, and maybe getting into the compensation, what would it be? It seemed like the Eagles were asking a ton, like two first-round picks it was rumored at one point. So I was just like, no way. <laughs> um, but, I, yeah, so some other guys, you mentioned Sam Darnold. I thought, man, there's so much talent there. Maybe you could tap into that. Uh, Matthew Stafford was one I was really on, but obviously the Rams came in and went crazy and offered like a crap ton to get him. Um, and I also thought, oh, maybe you draft a quarterback because Chris Ballard even said, our window is just opening up. So I said, oh, does that mean that the Colts potentially could go draft a quarterback, say like a Justin Fields or something? You just trade up a couple picks because – I mean, Justin Fields didn't go that much earlier than when the Colts picked. Obviously, he was earlier, but, you know, if you traded up into the top 10 or something and you, you felt confident in him, maybe you take him. But those were kind of my guys right there. But, but uh, yeah, I really wasn't on board with, like, Ryan Fitzpatrick or any, like, veteran guy. I was like, you just got to – you can't can't keep putting Band-Aids on it, right? You got to just figure it out in one way or another. And so um, – but I did obviously know, like, the connection with Frank Reich was there and kind of said, well, look – I mean, when you're comparing Carson and Sam Darnold, I mean, you can you can make all the excuses you want for both guys, but Carson Wentz has actually proved that he can do it, and I think that also was a big thing. Like he was an MVP candidate a couple of years ago, so he's shown that when he's surrounded with with good you know a good structure, he can do that. So I think for that reason, that made me kind of come around now to to Carson Wentz a little bit more. It seems like my view on him really changed from January till now a lot. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, a big part of Carson's offense is someone we're hoping can stay fit next year. That's Paris Campbell. Mm. Um, again, a freak injury just put him out for the season, which is devastating and that limited us again with our playbook. Um I mean, this is this is it for Paris Campbell, right? This is his prove it year. Yeah, I mean, if there's anybody on the offense that you'd say prove it year outside of maybe Carson Wentz, uh, definitely Paris Campbell is is the biggest guy that he's shown. The, the crazy thing is, like, you look at some of those – that 2019 draft was was hot and cold, hit and miss a little bit. I mean, you look at guys like, you know, like Rocky Sin and Ben Banigou, who just has been more performance-based. But with Paris Campbell, that hasn't been the issue. It's just been – injury right when he's on the field he's electric i mean he shows a lot of stuff but yeah that freak injury and i think that's what it was i think that's kind of what i've come to like some people can say he's injury prone i mean maybe year one yeah okay i can see that because it was like injury after injury he even admitted right his body wasn't right but it was just a freak injury last year just like 99 percent of guys who take that hit aren't getting up and they're done for the year so with paris campbell i feel confident that now that his body's right. And now that he's kind of got a fresh mindset, it's, it's cool that he's been able to maintain that positive attitude through all this. Um, and now with Carson Wentz, I, I just feel like, yeah, this is the year for, for him to either prove if he gets injured again. I mean, the Colts just, I don't know if they'll move on from him necessarily, but they can't just wait and hope that he's going to be that guy. Cause he just hasn't, he just can't stay healthy at that point. And you need to go find somebody else next year. Um, who Kugi or confident can do that for you. So yeah, this is a huge year for Paris Campbell. It, it's the biggest year for Paris Campbell that he's had um, because, yeah, if it's three injuries in a row, um, and you're, you're starting to get closer to that bus territory at that point, which I didn't want to say that so early, but if it's three years in a row, 
Uh, so that's a different story to me. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the first year rookie coming out of college, it's a big change. It's heavier hits. You know, it's take it. Your body's still growing at that point. It's going to be one of them things. It's going to happen. The second year, it was just a complete freak injury. I don't even think there was anyone around him. Um, it was just horrible to see. Um, yeah. Like you say, third year is he really needs, you know, a solid 13 games at least to prove that he can be the future wide receiver one for the Colts. Mm-hmm. Um, but talking about this wide receiving court at the minute, you know, you've got the speed guy in Campbell. Hopefully you've got the route runner specialist T.Y. Hilton, who demands two three-man coverage at times. You've got the big guy, Mike Pittman. Uh, Zach Pascal, who had an excellent year last year, I thought. Um, rookies like Patman. You've got loads of guys. Is there room for the Colts to go and get that dream trade of Julio Jones and make this an absolute stacked room? <laughs> Yeah, I've had this question. I've heard this question a lot. I'm just going to say no. Um, I know it's a dream. It'd be amazing to have Julio Jones. Don't get me wrong. Like that would just be insane for wide receivers. But the contract, first off, is a lot for a 30 over plus 30 quarter or age wide receiver, right? And then just, yeah, um, I don't know. I just, it's hard for me with those two things. To just say, yeah, pull the trigger. If this was Julio Jones maybe five years ago, absolutely. Um, but it's just like, you know, he was injured last year. I know he's been pretty healthy, but last year with the age, with the contract, with the draft capital, you have to give up two, right? Because you're already surrendering at at worst um, a first-round pick, right? First or second-round pick. We'll see what happens. Um, but, like, are you comfortable then – really having hardly any draft capital next year of any significant value in those first couple rounds. And mm-hmm. I think just for how old he is, probably not um, at that point. And so, yeah, I mean, I mean, second round pick, I don't even know if you could trade those picks right now because you just don't know what's going to happen with that. Um, so like the Falcons, it'd probably have to be like even future, future, second round pick. And I don't know if uh, the Colts are comfortable doing that with a guy that may only play a couple more years for him at a high level, especially right. Cause we've seen how much some of those great wide receivers can just fall off really quickly yeah. with that age. So um, a, a dream scenario, obviously, but I just don't think it's realistic with where the Colts want to go and what they want to do. And, and the guys are going to have to continue to resign too, like Quentin Nelson next year, Braden Smith's getting an extension, Darius Leonard, Naheem Hines. Like there's some guys that are going to need some extensions and, you know, are you comfortable if the Colts would do that? Maybe not resigning one of those bigger name guys, because you got, you got to figure out your cap space somehow. You're not going to have a hundred million like you, you normally had right before, because, that's what Ballard wanted to do the whole time, right? It's it's draft your own, train your own, and then pay your own. And that's what the Colts are going to have to do. And I think that's the way Ballard likes it. So as much as I love the idea of adding another dynamic wide receiver into the room, I mean, you got some good young guys that you feel excited about with T.Y. Hilton. Um, I just don't know, yeah, how realistic it is right now. Yeah. Obviously, it would be lovely to get Hulu in, but like we say, it's – Realistic and what we want is two different things. Um, you know, it isn't bad an ultimate team. Right. <laughs> real life. Um, but anyway, um, moving on. Now, I tweeted this out. I got a bit of hate. But 
I think we have the best running back room in the league. And I've got a lot of Browns fans, Vikings fans coming at me. But when you look at it's costing us seven million a year, our running back room. And that Jonathan Taylor, uh Marlon Mack is going to be back fully fit. Who let's not forget is a thousand plus yard rusher. Jonathan Taylor was a second behind Derek Henry last year. Um you got uh Hines and even Wilkins. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, the Colts, although we've got a new quarterback who can sling it, we've got great wide receivers, we should still be a run the damn ball team. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's I think that's that's going to help Carson so much is is continuing to surround him with the run game. I mean, look at that. The Philadelphia Eagles in 2017, they had like two, three, four good backs that can contis- consistently rotated in and were effective. And I think that's the kind of the model the Colts are going after this season. If they can continue to do that, keep each other fresh. I mean, it's just going to be uh, unstoppable, I think. Like all these guys – I would say, you know, especially like Taylor and Hines last year, they were like some of the best backs at what they did at receiving with Hines and obviously just running with Jonathan Taylor. Um, and then you throw in Marlon Mack, who we can say is top 10, top 15 back in 2019, where depending where you stand on Marlon Mack, but he was definitely one of the better backs in the league in that 2019 season, especially with kind of the limitations you had at quarterback. Um, yeah, I would say. Uh, the Achilles injury obviously is the biggest hesitation with Marlon Mack. I mean, you just don't know, um, especially with running backs, how much that's going to affect him. Um, we'll obviously see what happens with that injury. Uh, but I think um, this is going to be tough for me to say, but I think for a one-two punch, I have to probably give the nod to Cleveland just slightly because those guys are healthy and they're both like top, t- maybe top 10 running backs. Honestly, they're both really good. Um, but I think as a whole, with the stable of running backs, I think the Colts get the nod there because they have three running backs that are really, really good. And then Jordan Wilkins, who isn't a bad back either. Yeah. Um, talking about, uh, we'll talk about the other side of the ball for a minute and another unit that is full of competition, which I love. And that's the defensive line um, yeah. all across the defensive line. How does Matt Eberflus keep these guys happy? You know, he quitted the forest, Grover, who had a massive year last year, uh, Kamoko. Mm. How do you keep so many guys happy when you have to split reps? Yeah, I mean, I think they're just going to do a lot of rotating. They're going to do it in waves like they've done in the past, and now they can do it hopefully very effectively in that way. I do think there will be obviously certain certain situations where um, I honestly don't think Kamoko Ture will be like a quote-unquote starter, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, I think he'll be definitely a, a third down specialist type of guy because he's never been great against the run. Um, but like maybe a guy like Taekwon Lewis will be your other starter, Al-Kadim Muhammad. I think the culture is going to do a lot of rotating a lot of times, depending on the situation. Uh, but you're right. There are so many guys on this defensive line. It's absolutely crazy to think you could potentially be cutting a second round pick from only a few years ago. But that just speaks to how deep and how much this competition is. Uh, you know, in this defensive line group. Um, so I think the way they're going to do that is just uh, is just a lot of waves, you know, a lot attacking them in different ways, keeping guys healthy, keeping guys fresh in there. So when it comes down to the fourth quarter and you need to make a stop, you need to get to the quarterback, some of those better pass rushers are a lot more fresh than they would be in normal situations. Yeah. Um, okay. So 
we'll move on to the actual season coming up as a whole. Um, big season for the Colts. Mm-hmm. I generally think, not just saying this because I'm a massive homer, but I generally think we are Super Bowl contenders um, with the pickup of Quitty and Carson and Fisher. The ceiling is the Super Bowl. This team is generally capable of it. The floor is, I mean, nine and eight, maybe ten and seven, something like that, but still getting through to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. What is your prediction for the Colts, obviously, apart from 17 and 0 and then 3 and 0 in the playoffs? <laughs> yeah, I think 12, 11 to 12 wins is probably a good margin. I think early on is going to be tough. Um, mm-hmm. I think you might start off a little bit slower because there are some really good teams you're playing early on. Now, the Colts could surprise and they could have a really good record, and that would like be great. But last year, they struggled against some of those really, really top tier teams. Um, I don't think besides the Packers, they beat any of those teams they played that that made it to the playoffs, except maybe Tennessee, I guess, was another one. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a huge test for them early on. Really, I think weeks one through like four or five, um, it's going to be tough, man. So I, I realistically can see with especially like the second half of the schedule, it gets a little bit easier. There's some hard games in there, but I could see easily, you know, 11 to 12 wins. I think my ceiling is probably 13 wins. I think that's probably fair to say. There's always a game or two where you should have won, um, but you don't for whatever reason or or whatever. It's a close game with one of those really good teams and you can't quite pull it out. Um, so I think that's about a fair assessment there in my mind is probably 12 to 13. Yeah, I mean, the opening stretch is tough, so I wouldn't be mad, you know, if we did start a bit slow. Look at Tampa Bay. You know, they started incredibly slow for the talented yeah. team they had going into last year, and now the champions. Um, but it's our division at the minute, you know, it's a, the AFC South has been the laughing stock of the NFL. It's also maybe last year I thought, the Jags were going to be better, and I thought it was probably one of the tougher divisions to play in, uh, especially in those road days, away games. Mm. Um, but I think this year we probably only need 10 wins to be division champions. Mm. Yeah, it'll be interesting. You're definitely going to have to be competing with Tennessee, I think, to see how good they are. I mean, fortunately, Tennessee lost. I mean, I know they added some guys but they also lost uh, one of their best, better wide receivers in Corey Davis. They lost Johnny Smith. They lost some weapons on offense, I guess. Um, and then they lost some guys in the secondary. So you feel like there's some definitely some places that you could really attack this season um, and some ways that maybe in the past were a little bit harder to to stop or, or you know, beat. And I think now Tennessee is very vulnerable. I know they added a lot to their pass rush um, with getting Bud Dupree and also – uh, Danico Autry stealing him from us, but I'm not really like afraid of those guys. If that makes sense, like you know, Bud Dupree, uh, you know, he's been pretty good, but also is coming off of an injury um, and a lot of his sacks. I mean, I wasn't a huge Bud Dupree fan when he was a free agent. I think a lot of his sacks are very situational, and it's not a lot of win rate. It's a lot of coverage sacks for him. So, I mean, if you can't cover anything, I mean, they, they and, you, and you're going against rookies, right? You're going against a rookie cornerback in Caleb Farley. Um, I feel a little bit better about um, the Colts' chances against the Titans this year, um, especially now with also because, you know, let's be honest, the reason the Titans won was because of that COVID game last year when half of our defense was out, right? 
um, DeForest Buckner was out. But like now you've added to your defensive line where maybe you can weather that storm a little bit better if that something crazy happens like that again. Um, so I feel pretty confident that we can we can you know get the business done against Tennessee. But um, I'm not really afraid, obviously, of Houston. I mean, I don't think anybody is at this point, <laughs> um, especially with the Deshaun Watson stuff. Um, and then Jacksonville, I mean, year one, um, you know, as good as Trevor Lawrence might be, this team only won one game last year. Now I know that was against us, so I don't want to, don't want to, you know, say anything about that, but, um, but yeah, I'm not really scared of Jacksonville either at this, at this current point. So yeah, I think Tennessee is going to be the big one, but uh, I think, I think they will take a step back record wise. So I can, I can see that happening. Yeah. Um, Okay, uh, time to move on to the last part of the show, uh, which is all about fun, really. Um, just a couple of questions I ask every guest uh, and every new guest that I have on the show. Um, the first one being the Oklahoma drill. Um, you have DeForest Butner on one side and Quentin Nelson on the other side. Who have you got coming out winning that battle? I think Quentin. I do. Um, he's just so good, man. Like, I mean, I, I would probably say that against probably anybody, but maybe Aaron Donald. Like, honestly, he's just that good. But I mean, I feel like it, it could be pretty split, honestly, yeah. at certain points because DeForest is no slouch. Yeah. Uh, but probably if you're making me choose Quentin, I'll probably just go slightly Quentin. Yeah, I mean, we're getting that quite a Nelson Aaron Donald battle this year, aren't we? Which is everyone's looking forward to. That's gonna be crazy. I can't wait. Oh, that that's <laughs> what you live for. That you know, you, you can be a Colts fan, you can be a Rams fan or whatever, but if you can't just watch that matchup and enjoy it, whether you lose or whether you win, then you're not a true sports fan because that's what you want to see in life. You want to see the best of the best going at it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um and the last one. You have a game-winning drive. You know this is the Super Bowl. Yeah, you have a game-winning drive. You need to get to. You need to score to win. Basically, um, you're the coach. You've got two quarterbacks. You've got Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning. Um, who are you picking? Your team on this game-winning drive. I mean, you could put them in any scenario, any team. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh man, this is hard. Um, <laughs> I mean, I saw Peyton do it so much. I know Andrew did too. And he, that 2020, 2012 season was incredible with all the comebacks the Colts made. So I would be interested to see him with like the team that Peyton had. But Peyton just did it so much, man. I have to go with – I cannot go, in my mind, rightfully go against Peyton Manning. So I have to go Peyton. I'm sorry. That's fair enough. Man. Um yeah, I mean, that's all I had um, for t- tonight's show, today's show, where you are. Um, did you have anything you wanted to throw out or add on? No, I just uh, wanted to say thank you again for having me. It's just been a lot of fun to just catch up and, you know, finally meet each other as well and yeah. and just talk some Colts ball, man. Yeah, um, it is always nice meeting new people, uh, making new connections, especially for us guys all the way, you know, over here. Uh yeah. it's a long way away and my my big surprise with this you know I've, I've talked to you know obviously you guys in las vegas guys you know in mexico guys in russia even and stuff like that and australia and just 
you know, I was told the Colts were a small market team and people keep proving me wrong when, you know, I have interactions with guy online from Africa and stuff <laughs> like that, like a Colts fans. And it's like, this is crazy. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, that's it from me. Cody, again, if you just want to talk about Bring the Juice and your Twitter handles, your YouTube channels, your podcast, your merchandise, if you have any. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, you can find us on YouTube at Bring the Juice. Uh, you just type in Bring the Juice Colts Podcast. You'll find us there. You can just type in Colts Podcast. We'll we'll show up. Um, yeah, on Twitter, you can find me at CPFelger55. Find uh, Derek at Derek underscore larger. You can find the, the podcast as well at BTJ Pod. And then also we're on Instagram as well for the podcast and Facebook. And yeah. And then, you know, if you're not on YouTube, if you don't really like that, that, that's not your thing. Don't worry. We have all different ways you can listen to the podcast. Um, We have the podcast app. We have um, Google podcasts, all that kind of stuff. Spotify, like it's all on there um, if you look for it. So uh, yeah. Yeah. That's where you can find us. All right. Um, Yeah. Again, finally, thanks very much for joining me, Cody. Um, to everyone watching, to everyone who's going to watch, thank you so much for watching. It means a lot. Um, we've been UK Colts fans. To my right, it's been Cody. See you all later. <laughs>